I suck at jujitsu. How do I suck less? Everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to the newest episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So again, I have another one of my black belts on. Um, these are some of people's favorite episodes. Uh, honestly, they're my favorite episodes when I get to interview um, one, just people that I I talk to a lot, but especially people that have trained with me for a really long time they understand my perspective of jiu-jitsu and their perspective of jiu-jitsu is kind of rubbed off off on me and so um we just on thursday had eric kiebner on the show and now today we have one of my newest black belts mark rosencutter uh he was it took us a little while to schedule him he actually got promoted on the last batch of black belts like six months ago but um we really the timing was perfect on this this episode is gonna be no doubt a hidden gem i think that there are a lot of people that maybe won't recognize his name even locally um you know a lot of people uh in the st louis area listen to my podcast but my students whose names they recognize are going to be my competitors and mark is not one of my competitors mark is somebody who is just been a career jiu-jitsu guy um has just been a team player and uh just one of those guys that i know all gyms have but one of those guys that you look at and you go the gym just wouldn't be the same without this guy this guy really brings something different something special to the gym and um with mark i just think he brings this special perspective that you guys are going to absolutely love we talk about um kind of like finding your own jujitsu identity finding your own jujitsu personality and um what that means and it's it's very much a discussion it's very much uh, us going back and forth and getting just a little deeper on maybe a lot of the, the philosophy of jujitsu and um and what it's like coming up at head nod what it's like training where we train and um it's just a it's just a really good episode in my opinion and i think you guys are really gonna love this one but uh yeah with that being said i don't want to spoil too much i will say this for those of you who do know mark rosencutter you will be disappointed we talk very little pro wrestling in this episode we're gonna have to have mark back to to really just dig into the pro wrestling sometime um but uh yeah if you know mark he really is we always call him mark lesnar at our gym and um he is one of the biggest pro wrestling fans you'll ever meet so it was a little shocking that we didn't have time to get into much pro wrestling but i think the jujitsu stuff that we get into is just absolute gold and you guys are really going to enjoy this one and so uh that being said let's go ahead and jump into today's episode with mark rosencutter mark how are you doing today i'm good josh how are you man i'm good i'm excited about our conversation i was kind of telling you before we started uh it's weird giving somebody their black belt training with them for so long and then like we sit down and i'm like i don't know what this dude's history in martial arts is i don't know why he started um you know i don't know what that looks like i just know that like kind of when you started it had not and uh so i really am excited to kind of talk this you and i always have good laughs every time we 
we talk and uh, I'm sure we'll get into kind of all that. And also, I'm really excited because um, just just the approach of training for you over the years has has changed. And I really am excited to to get to talk about that with you. Um, but just just kind of just to start for us, um, you've got your black belt. When was this? It's March. Like March. Yep. Okay. So you got yep. your black belt in March. How long have you been training um, up and had you been training up until then? And um, what got you started in in martial arts? If you did martial arts before you did jujitsu, but it, at least in jujitsu. Um, let's see here. I think before my black belt, it had been off and on probably like 13 or 14 years. Um, I started in with jujitsu. I was in college at SIUE. And there was a free grappling class. And me and my buddy Drew decided to take the free grappling class. And then we had another mutual friend, Cody, who didn't go to SIUE, but the teacher of the class. We were like, hey, we got this friend. Can he just come in for free? And, you know, it was like the big MMA craze. You know, a lot of people were like gravitating towards, oh, there's this jujitsu stuff. So Cody come in and he was training with us. And then um, not too long after that, Cody started the hit squad uh -huh. and kind of started training with all you guys. Um, and I think he had kind of dabbled at some other places, too. So he was training with you guys. And then uh, another friend of ours, Zach, started training. And, you know, it was the whole crew. And um, then, you know, kind of going forward, um, after I had done that class, as actually after I graduated from college first time, um, Zach had from Kyle, like the free, like two weeks free. Mm -hmm. So Zach's like, Hey, come on in, you know? And I think by that time, Zach, Zach was a blue belt. Uh -huh. I think you all that you all got your blue belts by this time. Was Co Cody was a blue belt. Too? I believe Cody was a blue belt. Yes. Okay. And they, did you get your blue belt? Did you have your blue belt when Cody had his blue belt? I almost want to say. I, I might be wrong about this, but Cody and I might have gotten our blue belts together. Maybe he got his six months after me. Okay. But I thought that we got – I almost think we might have gotten them together. He might have gotten his with Kitchler, um, yeah. and which which would have been six months after yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I know those guys were like kind of like Kyle's first or second batch. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, I started there, and then just over the years kind of stuck with it. But I always kind of followed the Kyle progression, of course, Zach. You know, he's kind of out doing his thing. Cody now trains at Jack McVickers. So like And is a black belt. And is a black belt. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's tough, you know. So it's kind of like, you know, all everybody kind of went different places, but my path was, you know, and I started with Kyle and then you guys moved up, started your own gym, and it was closer to me. And um, so now I'm here at Head Nod. Was there a, a hiatus uh, at all for you between, like, the hit squad, between training at Kyle's, and before you started at Head Nod? Yeah, say that again, Josh. Like, was there a hiatus between, um, like, was there a time in between where you weren't training um, with with Kyle, between Kyle and when you started, when we started Head No. Uh, well, I've went on, I've had several hiatuses in my life. Uh-huh. But um, I think... When head nod started up, I th I think that transition was pretty smooth. I might have went on a hiatus like, uh, you know, right before or right after. I'm not sure. Uh huh. 
So maybe you remember better than I do. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I had a couple breaks there. So I can't really remember. It seemed like it was pretty seamless, though. Yeah. You know? I, I wasn't sure. It, like, I know that for a lot of the people that lived on the Illinois side, there was just this transition from training at Kyle's to, like, maybe it was just a little too far for them. And then, like, they stopped mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then from there, there was this transition back for, for certain guys when when we started to go in. So I just wasn't sure if that was... Yeah, no, I don't think that... I don't think mine was that way. I think it was a pretty smooth transition. Like I said, I've had hiatuses, but I don't think that was the reason for one of them. Do you remember at all what your first class was like? Um, at Edwardsville. Uh, so, yeah, it was this free class. And uh, the person running the class was Peggy Brooks. And uh, it was me and my friend Drew and Cody would come in. And she would show basic things like Oompa. Uh-huh. You know, this sort of stuff. And it was more of a, like a defensive, like self-defense jujitsu introductory class. And it was fun. Um, it was a fun class, but also she would bring in people to help. And one of those people was Derek McGuire because uh-huh. they would all kind of train together. So, um, also yeah. a black belt. Also now a black belt. <laughs> yeah. Very tough dude. <laughs> Man, Peggy Brooks has maybe the best, the best group of athletes underneath her. I didn't, I don't even know. I've never heard the name, and three of our black or three black belts that I know all were were training. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Peggy Brooks. You know, I don't know much about Peggy's like personal history. I, I know she had at that time like two MMA fights under her under her belt. She's uh-huh. very tough, very good trainer. Like even now, um, being in jujitsu fourteen years, and looking back, like she had a mastery of concepts that would still work today. You That's know what cool. I mean? So it was a very, um, very good, very good trajectory, very good training. And so for you, something I you know always specifically remember about you in training was, um, and I think that I've always kind of encouraged this with with everybody on the team is you found a specific way that you were liking to learn. And um, you really gravitated, my dad was the same, really gravitated towards like um, like Gracie Academy online, right? And really gravitated toward, or Gracie, is it Gracie University? Gracie U. Yeah, yeah Gracie yeah. University. And um, really gravitated towards that style of teaching and that style of jujitsu. What was it in that style of jujitsu that, that, that kind of got you or that style even of teaching that kind of got you um, that was helping you learn? Well, um, let's see here. I don't know when my first, what my first experience with like the Gracie University or going out to Torrance or any of that. I don't know if I went out to California first and was like, oh, okay, there's something to this. Or if I started with Gracie U first and then went out to Torrance. And I think it all kind of happened at the same time because I had a training partner in St. Louis, uh, you know, a mutual friend, Shaq. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, he moved out to L.A. and trained at uh, Gracie U. So that was kind of happening. Um, so maybe, and, and I kept contact with him. So maybe that was kind of it. And I was like, well, I'll try Gracie University. Plus there's like a lot of buzz with Gracie University. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of people are like, it's McDojo, you know, they're ruining jujitsu. So me and one of my uh, training partners, we do a lot of private training together, uh, Goldie, we, uh, 
got a Gracie U account and gave it a shot and started with combatives. Uh-huh. And I think there was a few times, you know, there was a few moves with the combatives. One was their guard pull. I remember this specifically. And I'm like, okay, guys, like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But as I watched the video and as I tried it, I'm like, well, wait a second. This completely makes sense. I understand why they're fitting it into this, you know, into the game here. Um, and I was like, wow. So, like, I remember that specific moment. And after that, I just gave all their techniques a chance. Yeah. You know, I know there's a lot of people said, well, this this is, you know, whatever, this sucks. Or, But really, if you apply what they, what they show... Um, it's like, okay, there's a lot of good gold here. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. sometimes, it, and I really, I really admired the brothers, but, uh, you know, they're long winded. <laughs> <laughs> they are, but, but there's always, you know, um, everything is very thorough and it's a very like non-athletic style. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't show like a lot of crazy, uh, they do show, uh, advanced guards and stuff, but it's not like, um. I don't know. A lot of things are very broken down, um, very fundamental. It's nothing. They don't really, they show things that a lot of people could do, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, yeah, I see that so much. I see that with, I remember my introduction to um, kind of Gracie you, and I think that, I think still for me, I have a unique perspective on this as a competitor. Most competitors that, like you said, oh no, this isn't, you know, this isn't real jujitsu. This wouldn't work in competition. And that is this push that a lot of people say. And I remember um, starting out teaching kids classes at Head Not and it just being like, what the heck do we show these kids? And they had a really good course for kids. And so what we started to do was like, I think you could pay for just everything. And so we started to do that. And then we started to, to kind of learn in the, the, the adult, you know, in the, in the combatives and, and learn all the other stuff. And my dad and I were both like, this is really good. You know, I know that people act like it's not, people don't like it, but you know, this is really good. And I still, um, I look back to the time I was a brown belt and I got to, um, do a seminar with Huron and I still use a lot of things that he taught at that seminar. And I can't tell you how few seminar, how many seminars I've done and how few of them I actually still use any of the techniques. Do you, um, you know, you got to experience actually like after doing um, combatives for, for quite a while, you actually got to experience rolling with Henner. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. Can you tell me what that experience, this was recent too. Yeah. Um, Can you tell me what that experience was like? Well, I, you know, uh, I've been out to LA several times and trained there. Um, never trained with Henner. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a few classes under Henner, but I just got my black belt and I knew that, uh, I think Henner likes to train with black belts. He don't know, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, he comes up to me before the class and there was a lot of people and he's just like, whoosh. so I guess he recognized like, I've never, you know, I, I don't, you know, who's this guy? Um, but you know, he was kind of like, have we met before? I was like, well, I've been in your class before, but, you know, usually I'm kind of in, out. Uh-huh. Um, so we got talking. He's like, well, what school do you own? I'm like, I don't own a school. You know, <laughs> I'm just here. He's like, okay. And I, and I told him that I train under you and that your brother, I was like, I said, Henner, you know, your brother was on his podcast, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> so uh, he kind of chuckled. And then, um, yeah, so I got to roll with Henner. He called me out. Um, 
But yeah, it was interesting because, you know, Henner does do what he teaches. Mm-hmm. Like 100%. When I was rolling with Henner, there was like no crazy guard or no crazy, um, uh, like a lapel guard or some new technique that I didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like every single thing, for the most part, like I knew what he was doing um, as we did jujitsu. But one thing that Henner seems to be like, at least this is how I felt when I roll with him, is just going from one thing to the next, 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 to the next. You know, and I do think like some of the, some guys that kind of have jujitsu, you know, like mastered, they, uh, I want to say like minimize movement, but you, it's like, you can't do anything to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, that's kind of their approach. But with Henner, it was just kind of like he, he was just would always just win these like little individual races uh-huh. and he did do, you know, what he shows. Um, so it was pretty cool. And really even rolling with Henner. Cause when I went out before I went out, you told me, you said, man, you're going to go out there. If you get a chance to roll with them, you're going to learn so much more because you know so much more now. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, Josh. Uh, but I went out there, and it kind of was true. Like, that roll, I got a lot out of. Uh-huh. And I do think, you know, training, you know, kind of doing the combatives and doing the BBS series with my friend, I was able to understand, okay, I see what he's doing here. Okay, you know, I understood. Um, but that was um, that was a good role. And the other thing about Henner, too, is it just seemed like I noticed with myself, because um, the cool thing was is I trained with a black belt right before I trained with him. So, uh, you know, sometimes I tend to get tunnel visioned or stick with a position like I'm going to try to make this choke work. Um, but Henner was just, it was like he was, I don't want to say like put a percentage on it, but he was like semi-attached to everything he was doing. And it was just one after the next, after the next, after the next. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a good role, a good time. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be out there. So, Any specific technical things that you noticed that he did, um, not just like the general feel, but was there any specific thing that you were just like, that was different or just that was, that was you, know, you were maybe even uh, shocked by or anything like that? Um. I would not say necessarily the technique as much. I mean, there was one thing that he did. I was like, okay. But um, just his ability, like as soon as a transition would happen, like um, he's going from side control to mount, he's instantly got the submission in. (laughs) Instantly, like, you know what I mean? So it's like he's not even fully attacked. I I don't know, and I don't want to put words into his mouth or what his experience is, but... Um, it was almost like he's not even a hundred percent committed to like the transition. I know for me, if I hit a sweep, I'm usually like, oh wow, I hit this sweep. You know (laughs) what I mean? And I think with him, you know, he's going from side control to mount. The choke was in instantly. Uh You know what I mean? The Ezekiel, you know, he's going shooting for the Ezekiel instantly. And, uh, so I, you know, I have some cross collar choke defense, but, um, you know, when he got the cross collar choke in and I went to play it brought his elbows together Uh, and so he beat me to he knew what i was doing uh you know what i mean um so that was that was wild um i would say the only thing that i was like wow you know that was that was different was i did establish neon belly on him and then he did this like huge hip bump and it threw me off (laughs) it completely threw me off so i don't he was just i know he knows um very well like 
if this guy doesn't have his knee on belly set properly, like I'm going to exploit that. And he did. So that yeah. that's something that the interest, interesting to me. And that's kind of why I wanted to, to bring it up. Cause you and I have talked about that experience. Yeah. I was so excited when I, when I heard you got to roll with him. Um, I, like I said, I knew that it was going to be uh, significant for your, your, your jujitsu. It, it comes this point for a lot of people in jujitsu where certain experiences almost will blow up your progression, just like will shoot your progression to the sky. And it's not always like a specific class or it's not always like a specific thing once you get to a point or like a, an instructional you watch. For most people, as you get better, to me, it's like something happened and it burned it into your brain just differently than it ever had. And it just tweaked your perspective a little bit differently than it had. Um, and you know, it was really cool to hear that from you. But that is like the other thing that I, I noticed when you talked about it is it wasn't the individual techniques that he knew or the individual techniques that he did, you know, um, as you would hope they were, he was, you know, like you said, his game was pretty basic, but it was his skill, you know, and that is like the separation, I think, for most people that they almost don't understand is that jujitsu is, is skill, you know? So for you with, with kind of like your jujitsu progression as your coach, I've gotten to, to see it. Right. And there was, you know, I, I saw it. I, my dad also saw the same exact thing. There was this almost, it was bizarre, almost a moment in your jujitsu at brown belt where you went from like being a pretty good brown belt to like being a pretty good brown belt. Like, oh, wow, this, this is, this is different. You know, you can have really good rounds with anybody in the gym and we have a very, very tough gym and a very, very tough room to have good rounds in. Um, do you remember kind of that time in your jujitsu? And do you remember anything specific about that, about that time? Uh, yes and no. So <laughs> that on, on that one, I don't know if there was like, there was this one instance that like, Oh wow, my mind is blown up. I do know like during the whole Brown belt time, um, it just seemed like I just was revisiting and re-questioning, you know, fundamental things I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, side control, you know, I was going into Brown belt and I'm still like, I don't, I, how am I going to escape side control? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. And I spent months, months trying to escape side control. And it got bad enough to where your dad told me during one session where I was trained with him. He's like, Mark, you got to move on. Mm-hmm. You just got to let go. And the odd thing was, as soon as I started working something else, then like some of the things I was working on side control started to click. Yeah. You know, which, which happens sometimes. Um, so that was one thing I do think too. Um, I just tried to really had to throw everything out and tried to, uh, explore other avenues that would maybe work better for me. I do know, and you know, I'm not dissing this game at all. I think it's, it's completely legitimate. It just doesn't work well for me, but the, a lot of off your back guards, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Playing off your back, a lot of like spider guard lasso. And a lot of guys at our gym are very good at this, mm-hmm. but it's, just, I'm just not, it just mm-hmm. doesn't work well for me. So, um, I started to try to get off my back a little bit less and I kind of felt like, um, you know, just the, just stand up principle, like Chris Payne's, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of like on that path a mm-hmm. little bit. There were some things I'm like, okay, you know, uh, 
I can just stand up here or, uh, you know, the hands are what's important. You know, I'm not just going to frame the legs. Uh, you know, I'm going to worry about where this guy's hands are at, um, this sort of thing. Um, cause if they can't grip you or, and they're not above you, what can they do? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we had the Chris Payne seminar, it was kind of like, I was like figuring out like, there's something about one plus one that makes two maybe, uh-huh. but he comes in and he's like, he's on like the same path, but he's like three times three is nine. You know uh-huh. what I mean? He's like farther along, but I really think that seminar also kind of helped legitimize like, okay. Well, wait a second. Maybe there is some things to work. So I definitely think during all that time, that's kind of that's kind of the mindset I was in was I was just trying to reframe my jujitsu. And I really think for me in jujitsu, and I'm still not there, and maybe never will be, but I think one of my goals of jujitsu has always been to find my jujitsu self. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do think some people come into jujitsu and you know, they within, you know, six months, a year, two years, three, you know, they find something that works for them, mm-hmm. you know, and it is their signature style right off the bat. And I've always felt like a, I don't want to say a jujitsu drifter, but, you know, I've never fell into where it's like, okay, this is my jujitsu self. And so, um, I would say that, you know, that time was just, uh, me maybe getting a little bit closer to that, uh-huh. you know, to find like, who am I as a jujitsu player? When you say jujitsu self, um, when you say finding your jujitsu self, could you give me either maybe some examples of people you know that you go, oh, this is this is this person's jujitsu self, or just uh, some examples of what you mean by um, finding your jujitsu self? Um, well, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody I can think of off the top of my head. That would be like, bam. Um, well, you know, I think like looking at you early on. But I think we're going to kind of get deep here because you're, you know, as you asked the question. So when you look at you early on, you know, you early on, you know, your triangle was your game. Mm-hmm. Spider was your game. And I think you've you've definitely like progressed eons, you know, beyond that. Right. Um but, like, I think, you know, early on, like, you kind of had, like, a style and you kind of found your groove. Little Jeff, mm-hmm. you know, that would be another one. You know what I mean? He's got, like, he's found things that, did bam, 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 that work for him. And I'm sure as he goes on, too, you know, like, he's going to evolve and mm-hmm. this sort of thing. Uh, but for me, myself, I don't know if I've ever found those. Like, I definitely have positions I feel like I'm better at than others. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've found, like, my complete jujitsu self where especially I think like uh, like maybe like offensively or uh, with certain guards in certain positions I haven't really figured out like where like what works for me or where I'm at like I definitely have things that work but as far as like I don't know what to say like finding my idea style or something I just don't know if I'm there yeah. You know what I mean? Which is not a bad thing. Of course. Like, I think that's the, like, maybe that is part of the journey. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Maybe that is part of the journey. That's a, that's an interesting thought. I, I just, uh, the reason I ask, I'm glad you used me as an example because, you know, that is, it's funny you say like, oh yeah, you know, like spider triangle. Those, I don't do those things much anymore, you know? And 
it's weird like you know people go off on these maybe not in jujitsu but they go off on these these self-discovery journeys like and people are like looking to find themselves and looking to find themselves um but the problem with that is you're you should be progressing right you should be changing and so that 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 view of self should probably be changing with it and that's something that like we go back to to those seminars with Chris. Um, that's something that I even noticed from getting to learn from Chris a little bit more was like, he was so open about, I am willing to, I'm going to show you what jujitsu is to me right this second. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be uh, for me in a couple months. And I'm, I'm willing to show you what I think right now. And so that's something that, uh, that I'm kind of thinking when you're saying like, oh yeah, this jujitsu self, it's like, man, my game, it changes over and over. And even, even over the last four or five months, my game has, has evolved in, in a different way that I'm like, you know, yeah, I don't even know what I play anymore. You know, I'm, I'm in this limbo part of jujitsu and yeah, I think that is probably, um, probably the fun part about jujitsu is that it, you know, you, you can kind of, as you were saying, take side control and say, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave side control and I'm going to go to find something else. And then your side control starts to feel really good. And then you can almost years later, you can go back and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work side control again. And when you start to work it, you can almost then, especially as a black belt, especially as somebody who's getting better at jujitsu, um, you can then sit down and go, huh, what do I do from side control? You know, like I've learned all these millions of techniques and these millions of ideas, but what do I prefer from side control? And so, you know, I would almost argue that, you know, you, you know, your jujitsu self at this point, you know, you, you are, you know, you, you, you are your jujitsu self at this point, you know, that's like the beauty of getting to do this thing that you almost mindlessly roll, you know, you get to just go, I'm just going to grapple and that you know, to me is, is kind of what shows you yourself is that, is that testing of, of your. Yeah. And I think too, kind of going back on that is like looking through the years. So I remember the first time I went to megatons, uh, I went against these, I was like close to my blue belt at that time, but I went against like, uh, the two white belts and they were like high level competitors and they were judo throwing me. I got beat up <laughs> and I'm like, I, 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 so I wasn't just physically beat up. I guys emotionally beat up. I uh -huh. was like, Oh my God, like, wow. You know, these guys are like supposed to be my skill level and they completely tanked me. Then I went with a, a blue belt who's a little bit older and, um, and then I felt like even I'm like, okay, you know, this is, and then I went with the purple belt, um, and the only purple belts at that time that I really went with was, like, you and your dad. Uh -huh. So I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, this is, like, a megaton purple belt. And maybe he was working side control. Maybe he was, like, where I was as a purple belt. But, uh, you know, late years later. But, <clears throat> you know, I held, I held him in side control, and he didn't escape or anything. So I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is odd. Uh -huh. And then a couple uh, – Probably about a year after that, I was training at Jack McVickers. And I was going against somebody that was, you know, probably like in his 50s. Um, and he was a purple belt. And I was just 
white belt and I was scrambling. I was doing all these different things, um, just running circles around, but I couldn't do nothing. Uh I couldn't do nothing to him. And it was at that moment I said, I understand why this guy's a purple belt because he is able to maximize like his ability on the mats. You know what I mean? Like maximize his advantage, his skill advantage over maybe not being as young mm-hmm. as I was. Uh-huh. Um, so, and he even told me after match, he's like, man, I can't do all those scrambles. He's just straight up like that way. So that was really a moment for me where I was like, okay, I understand. So maybe that kind of falls into this, like always search for your jujitsu self, uh-huh. you know, and, and what fits for you. Um, but I also do think there are just so many things that change underlying with that, you know, what your life situation is, you know, how you age, you know, how you develop. So, yeah. Yeah, man, I that that makes a lot of sense to me because I I'm getting to this point where um, I am still an adult competitor, but I in a lot of interviews where I get to interview like athletes that are retired it's very easy to note that like i'm always asking them like so how was retirement for you what did that look like what did that feel like were you you know how were you mentally from it and it's because i can see that there is uh, eventually for me there is going to be a change for me who knows when that change is going to be you know you have a baby it feels like that change could be tomorrow um but you know who knows when that change is going to be and I, you know, as much as jujitsu in a round um, and being good is is being able to adapt, you know, being able to look at a guy and go, okay, this is what's probably going to happen. And then you start to roll and you go, oh my gosh, this guy is so strong. I need to use less strength. I need to use, I need to play my jujitsu a little bit differently. And the quicker you can do that and the quicker you can adapt to that situation, the better off you're going to be in the round. And um, I think it's just so true to life when you when you look at that and you go okay um life isn't what i thought it was going to be you know this this change is you know is happening sooner than i expected and you be able to to be able to go well i'm gonna i'm gonna adjust i'm gonna be able to adjust and you almost you know just like we talked about like What's up, guys? Josh McKinney here. Just wanted to interrupt this episode and tell you about something really exciting that we have going on at SimplifyingJujitsu.com right now as we speak. And that is this. If you want to level up your guard passing, if you want to have an understanding of guard passing that nobody in your gym, nobody that you compete against has, you need to understand distance from guard passing. More specifically, you need to understand chest over chest and excessive distance in the importance of these two distances and how these two distances make you unsweepable, unsubmittable while you are on top. And the more you can understand them, the more you can attain these two distances, the more you can bounce back and forth between these two distances, and the more you are immune to jujitsu while you are on top. And the only way to get this understanding right now is with the seminars that I did at Watson Martial Arts and Parada Jiu-Jitsu over the last couple months. These two seminars combined for the price of one will change the way you look at guard passing. They will change the way you look at top in general. 
and they are only available at simplifyingjujitsu.com. And if you purchase these two seminars for the price of one, you also get a third bonus seminar, what we call the pinch. This is about a 35 minute seminar where we look at what upper body control actually is, what to actually do once you finally attain chest over chest and how to keep it forever with very minimal, minimal effort and being able to put a lot of pressure on your opponents. And that is, again, only available at simplifyingjujitsu.com. We'll make sure to link it in the description. Let's go ahead and get back to the episode. But for you, you know, you've been training 13, 14 years. Are there any, um, you know, like what jujitsu was to you when you started? versus what it is to you now what do you kind of how do you kind of look at that yeah i don't even know where to start i would say one of the things <clears throat> over the years that i've that i've had to do and i actually would say is a skill too is being able to reframe reframe victory yeah you know what i mean i do if you're like going into jujitsu and you're like okay you know i'm gonna gain all these skills and then i'm gonna be the most dominant person on the mat and, you know that's gonna um <laughs> For most people, you're probably going to hit some brick walls, right? Yeah. So you definitely have to uh, reframe victory. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, a victory, sometimes a victory is just being able to get back on the mat. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I would say the biggest challenges I've had in jujitsu are the times because of injury or personal reasons I've been away. And then you come back. And when you come back, your old buddies, they've taken off, you know, they're, they're, they're like a belt level ahead of you. Um, and then a lot of times you're like out of shape, you know, or your, your mat cardio is not the same. And just coming back in general has always been the biggest challenge. But one of my friends, um, came back after a hiatus and he got beat up and he was really mad and he was, he was frustrated. Um, he's like, I can't believe this. I, you know, this is ridiculous. But <clears throat> I got to thinking about that. And I've definitely had those emotions too, right? You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of the shadow side because, uh, you know, being competitive is good. But, in, you know, you got to have a balance with it, right? So um, I got to thinking about that. But, you know, whenever you reframe it, you're kind of like, well, wait a second. If I take a break from jujitsu for a year and... Um, I come back to the gym and everybody is the same and I'm still able to beat everybody the same way. I don't want to be at that gym. Yeah. Why would you want to be at a gym where when people are put, taking time to put in the mats and they're not getting better, mm -hmm. you know, and I really think kind of reframing whenever you reframe your approach, you reframe what victory is then it's different. And in the long run, I mean, everybody benefits, you know, and I, there's, it's definitely a cliche, but I think it's true. You know, <clears throat> it's always good to be, uh, you don't want to be the best person in the room. Yeah. Cause if you are, you need a new room, but just in general, like if you're away from jujitsu or this is happening and people are progressing, like embrace that, you know, don't get mad or frustrated. I, I think it's okay to be like, well, you know, like he beat me today. I'm going to get better at this. But I think whenever you, <clears throat> you consume it into a self-serving, like, well, I, you know, the, how dare they get better? Mm -hmm. You know, that's where I think you kind of run into problems, but honestly, um, it's just, that's not a positive way to grow. I, man, I, what does, what does victory look like to you now? 
Oh, yeah, there you go. So victory for me. I, I Honestly, I would say where I'm at right now, I don't think about it often, but did I learn something? You know what I mean? And really did, was my, was my time on the mat uh, fruitful to my growth? Mm-hmm. To me, that would be victory. That is, I think that's a place that you and I overlap with that idea. Uh, I find myself now, you know, and, and that, like when you start, it's so hard. You're so, you're kind of how we were just talking about side control. You're so close to the picture that it's really hard to see the whole picture. But when you get to take that step back, because, you know, whether you've just done this enough or you've just had the right advice, what starts to happen, um, at least for me, is me learning something isn't always, isn't always technique. It isn't always, it's seldom actually is technique. It's seldom a, a new move that I'm going to do. Most of the time, it's a new way to think, or it's a new way to look at the puzzle. It's a new, you know, maybe just a, a changing my step one um, with my step two and saying, okay, instead of gripping first, I would rather step in first, you know, and just learning jujitsu that way. And so, um, you know, for me, that has been growth for me. Um, but for you, what are some things or even some people that, that allow you to achieve your victory, your, you know, your, did I learn something today? Or like, what are some approaches that you have, um, that allow you? Cause for somebody who's new, if they go, okay, well, I'm going to try to learn something today. It's almost so hard to learn anything when you're so new, right? But as you get better, you you become good at learning. Um, what are some ways that you that you have found to achieve that victory of did I get better today? Um, man. Um, so where I start here? So I'm kind of thinking. Um, you know, I was thinking about this recently. You know, I. Kyle always said, right, that when he got his black belt, Megaton said, this isn't the ending, it's just the beginning, right? So, um, you know, I got my black belt in March, um, but I really feel like I'm in a place of jiu-jitsu where I am just now beginning to be able to learn jiu-jitsu. And it's interesting (laughs) that you say this because, you know, going back, like you look at a seminar, um, and you see like a, a certain Uma Plata escape or the way to do an arm bar from a certain position or what have you, you know, whenever you're new, you're kind of like, what's this move? What's this move? Mm-hmm. And then I think as you progress, then it's kind of like you go to that same seminar. You're like, okay, but what do you do with this grip? You know, and then maybe as you progress uh, further than that, you're like, okay, I got this grip. Like, how am I going to time this with something else? You know what I mean? So um, I would say those kinds of changes are there. I think another skill um, and a reframe victory, this is probably one of my epiphanies right before I got my blue belt. I remember being in a locker at Kyle's, a locker room at Kyle's, and I was just getting beat up. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to tap no matter what. Like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do things. If it fails, I'm tapping no matter what. I don't care. And Justin Huff was in there with me. He said, uh, man, who's got nothing to lose is hard to beat. And, you know, after that, that was a huge epiphany. I really think for me, for my personal self, that was like my, that's whenever I started, I was starting to go from white belt to blue belt. And so, um, and now where I'm at, 
is I try to tell myself, don't get too attached to a certain position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to fight more than 40% for a grip. You know, or, you know, I try to put something on it. Like, I'm not going to go to war over trying to keep the same grip and, and replay the same move over and over. Um, <clears throat> so I think for me, you know, those are some changes. I also think, like, how you view, you know, like, tapping or, um, you know, how you navigate bad positions. So, again, I mean, I think those are some changes. So I think maybe over time, jujitsu is like somebody that does like artwork, you know, you watch them. Like if you see somebody that like draws really well, like they'll make like a square first and then they'll start erasing things and it'll have like the shape of a human and then they'll start erasing things and then there'd be like a nose and then they start and then they, they erase and then build, erase and then build, erase and then build. And then before you know it, it's a very like nuanced like work of art. And I really think that's kind of where I'm at with um, – you know, jujitsu. So, <laughs> man, that's good. I honestly, there's, uh, I, when I, when you initially started explaining, um, you talked about the omoplati, like, okay, um, you see that. And then, um, it was just interesting how your language was. You went to first the what, and you were like, well, what is this? And you started to ask yourself that. And then when you're explaining, you started to ask how, and you started to ask why. And I think that that is something in jiu-jitsu that, you know, you you don't start doing until you start to get that kind of that general understanding of what is going on, right? You've got to start with the what, and you know, you've got to you've got to, you do have to learn the names of the positions, and you have to learn, um, uh, you know, like some moves from those positions. But the problem I see for so many people is they never get to go, get into this situation. Um, or they're just never told to ask why and how, you know, they're never, and they don't realize how significant it would be if they went from just seeing the, the move that they see online and the, oh, do this, do this, do this, compared to why does he do that? Because sometimes, you know, he does, you know, we, we have Robert who's, uh, he'll be on the show soon, but it's just has one of the best homoplatas mm-hmm. that there is. And when he, you know, maybe he shows us all these details on the omoplata. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. This is really helpful for me. But it's even more helpful when I go, hey, Robert, why do you grab that lapel? And then he'll hit you with something like, oh, because if he gets postured or if he gets too close, then I lose the omoplata. And you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And so you see that and you... Um, you know, to me, really start to get to 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 learn jujitsu differently. And people, I know when you're early on, because I remember Kyle saying that that same story about all the black belts telling them now the journey begins. And I remember being like, "Yeah, that's BS." You know, that's got to be they just that's just got to be something they say. And I think even for for quite a few black belts, it is it is just something that they say. They they kind of their progression starts to slow. And they um, they stop getting as good, but then when you really get around people that are that are masters of jujitsu, and you get to you get to see that, and you go, whoa, there is so much more to this journey. There is so much more to uh, to black belt. There is so much more that I can kind of chase and try to find 
um, with black belt. Is there anybody um, or any situation you've been since being a black belt? It's been since March. Was that like seven months? Yeah. Um, yep. So uh, is there has there been any situations now that you are a black belt that have made you go? Oh man, there's there's still so much to this journey. There's still so much to to try to find. I mean, I think going into that, I felt that way. So <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really think that was something like <clears throat> I realized. If anything, uh, as I go on, um, maybe I I feel that on a much deeper level. Uh huh. And um, so no, um, there isn't like. Yeah, so I'd say it's kind of the opposite, right? You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, like, uh, the more the more I do jujitsu, the more I feel that way. I think there's always something to learn, and not only that, like, you know, how is it going to be like when you age? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how are you going to adapt? How is your style going to change? So, um, yeah. So no, no, no. If anything, uh, as I go on, yeah, I feel that more deeply. Mm-hmm. That is something that we have at our school, I think, that that is still just less common, is having my dad, who is a, a 60-something-year-old black belt, that still is on the journey, you know, that isn't, that isn't defined in his, you know, we were working um, on, I guess it would have been Thursday, it was on Thanksgiving, he and I were training, and he was saying, man, I, I'm struggling passing these guards, and we talked for 15 minutes on on how to get better at these things. And um, since we have, we all have this constant reminder of like, hey, you can still find the same joy out of jujitsu in your 60s if you know how to approach it. I think it has caused a lot of us on the team to go, you know, like, yeah, of course you want to, you know, hang on to being young and athletic and, and being able to just do things that other people can't. But um, when you get to see somebody like that, you go, huh, I could, I could tweak my approach a little bit now. I could, I could, you know, see my approach differently a little bit now. Um, as you've aged a little bit, have you, would have been some things that have helped you, uh, to actually, I'm sure that, that blue belt note of I'm going to tap soon. Oh, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine anything being more valuable than that. Right. Um, but besides that, are there, are there some other things that have helped you um, as you've aged while trying to progress at jujitsu? Not just showing up, but while trying to to get better and to to master jujitsu. I mean, I think when I look at like the first four years of jujitsu or the first three, it was like I got injured like every six months. Yeah, at least you mm-hmm. know I was injured all the time. So I do think as time has went on. Um, I've learned to be maybe more efficient in certain positions. I think um, the way I extend my limbs during certain positions has changed. Um, and that's I think that's kind of a dual-fold thing. I think whenever I started jiu-jitsu, there wasn't – jiu-jitsu was still pretty new in the area. So a lot of people had some, like, you know, a lot of good techniques, a lot of good tricks. But I kind of – you know, I don't know if abroad, like, there was as deep of a knowledge as there is now. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a group wisdom or a team wisdom where I think just by and large, um, folks have kind of learned to do things maybe a little bit safer or, you know. Um, so I think that's one thing. <clears throat> but I also think, too, like, um, 
you know, if you go onto the mats and you treat every single role like a competition, like eventually it's just, it's going to beat, it's going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to tear you apart. So I know for myself, um, I just, I try not to do anything, you know, when I roll every day now that's, that, um, is going to exert, exert myself. You know, I never really try to go above 70 at any time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I would say, you know, that's definitely a change of my approach, but I think just in general, um, yeah, I mean, like you, you have to put limits on it and, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong. I think especially the younger you are, the more you can kind of ground, grind that out and keep coming and recover better. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, like you just can't do that. You got, and if you do, you definitely would have to do it in moderation, right? Of course, of course. I see, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You kind of talk about that, that group wisdom. Yes. And I think, um, I think that like not only at our school, but, um, with, with Kyle's school with revive. Yes. Um, I see that with our, like with our group of people. And I, I, I think to this, I was listening to this interview with Christian Graugart. He's the, uh, um, the guy that started uh, BJJ Globetrotters, he started Belt Checkers, started a bunch of other things. Um, but he gave this example, like if I have 70 years um, to live, and he's like, and even if I put all 70 years into one project, and he goes, and then I would just like have one other person with me, then it's 140 years into that project. It's like if I have 10 people, it's 70, 700 years into that project. And I just noticed that that is something that we have – as a team done so much more uh, over the past years is like being willing to learn from each other and being willing to just say, yeah, this is, you know, this, you know, all these ideas that we have, um, most of them are probably crap, but if we can, if we can get them together and we can dig deeper on these ideas, you and I, uh, you get to come to a lot of the noon classes and those I usually I teach those, and they're usually like a smaller group. And so you and I get to conversate a lot. And I look at you know all kinds of different things we've talked about that have helped me in my jujitsu. But then I'm sure that you would say the same thing. And so then when you look at that, you go, yeah, it's this weird thing where you know I help you one percent, and then you help me one percent, and then somewhere along the line, one of us throws out this like ten percent help, and it's huge. But it only came from those little incremental things. And I think that, you know, we're talking about aging in jiu-jitsu. So many guys, um, it's almost like they want there to just be this one answer. They want it to just be this one thing. Um, And I don't think that that exists. I mean, it could. We're just not there yet. Uh, Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. But uh, I just don't think that that exists. It seems to be... Um, it seems to be this group effort of, you know, you, at the beginning of the interview, we talked about all these guys that are still training, you know, and are still, some of them are, are black belts at this point. And, um, you get to hear that and you go, okay, there is, you know, this is such a, this is such a group thing, even though in the sport it's, you're the only person out on the mat and it's supposed to be this individual sport. It is such a group effort to get one guy out on the mat. You know, you go back to talking about little Jeff, how many different people have tried to help him and have tried to, you know, um, 
give him advice and, and help him with his jujitsu. And it's like this culmination of all kinds of people's jujitsu. And it seems to be one of the the more beautiful parts of jujitsu is I, I don't even want to say I really liked that idea of group wisdom that you said. Um, and instead of like teamwork, it really is like, yeah, none of these ideas are anybody's individually. It's kind of a collective. For sure. So at this, Bryce, what, what time are we at right now? All right, perfect. So I had uh, a fun segue for us because like I said before we started, I said there is no time that you and I have any conversation. This is probably the longest we've ever talked and not brought up pro wrestling. You know, I, I right? I would I would uh, argue yeah, that. I, yeah, I and, think so. And so, um, you know, I think w- when you were naming off guys in the beginning, I was naming off all of their uh, – uh, all their nicknames that we had, you know, Cody, we, we called C smooth, um, uh, Zach, we called Zachary and like, we had some good nicknames and then, uh, we always called you Mark Lesnar <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and you know, it was always like, there was always some good, you know, good pro wrestling with that. So I thought a fun question would be if you specifically, or even just your jujitsu journey in general, if you had to compare it to a pro wrestler and you say yeah this was this was probably my my storyline who would you compare oh it to? man they, i know this is oh, a tough this man. is like asking a mother who their favorite child is <laughs> i know this is tough but who would you say uh oh man um yeah, this one's going to be off the wall. It probably it wouldn't be no superstar. You know, I definitely don't think, you know, I'm like flashier on the mats. I don't compete or anything like that. So it definitely wouldn't be like that. It'd probably be like maybe like Lord Steven Regal or <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh I almost would say Dean Malenko, but Dean kind of was up high. But these were guys that just kind of was there you know, I don't even know if Lord Steven Ringle, uh, I don't even know if he was on the, the closer of a pay-per-view. I don't know if he ever sponsored I, I a pay-per-view. I don't think he did. <laughs> but Not that I would, I, I could think of. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he, we know who he was. You knew who he uh-huh. was. He laughed. But, but, he, but he also stayed with the company. Uh-huh. And behind the scenes, you know, was there, uh, did different corporate roles. And then they would kind of use that in certain angles, uh-huh. you know, when he came out. So... If I had to say anything, uh, Lord Stephen Regal would be a- <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is such a good one. Um, just a, he's a company man. I like yeah, it. Yeah. I like it. I think back, you know, I, 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 I'll buy it. I, I think back to your, I think I've only cried in one black belt speech that we've had at the gym so far. And I think it, it was yours, and it was um, something along the lines of you. And you thanked us all, but you said something along the lines of um, John Danaher could be next door, and Atos on the other side, and I would be here. And that um, that mentality is something that it, it kind of makes our gym beautiful, right? And um, you know, I see that you know with you, and I I, I really just. I greatly appreciate it. You know, I greatly appreciate that when I am teaching noon class, how helpful you are. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to, to have guys like you at the gym, you know? And so, um, I, I love the comparison. (laughs) That was a great comparison. Um, so just kind of, uh, 
uh, to finish. I always kind of finish with the same question on the show. And I've, I've asked you a lot of deep questions. You, your ability to, to come up with answers on these deep questions quickly is shocking to me. Cause some <laughs> of them I'm like, there's no way he's going to be able to answer this. Right. And you hit me with something good. Um, but, uh, for you, what is either some of or the best jujitsu advice that you've ever gotten or what springs to mind when oh, I say that? Man. Uh jujitsu advice that I have ever gotten. Um well I, I guess this would be cliche, you know, tap. <laughs> Just tap. You're gonna tap thousands of times. I think uh Octavio Kuto once had a seminar and he said something like, um, if you don't want to tap, do Muay Thai. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I definitely think uh, that that would be a tap, a, a, you know, go to failure, allow things to fail. Um, I don't know if anybody's, I'm sure somebody's said that, you know. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that would be my thing and I, that's advice that i still have to remind myself of every day of you course. know hey let this let it fail if it, if it fails who cares you know what i mean try to learn from it and go forward so yeah that would be it man that's great mark do you have anything you want to say to finish nope i think this is it for me <laughs> all right man i really appreciate you being on the show i really enjoyed our conversation me too josh so yeah thank you very much Mark, that was gold, man. That uh, was... And that is the episode. Um, like I said, I loved this one. This one was so much fun for me. Um, it just was different. It was very much... You know, I, I really, when I have the, the new my new black belts, if you guys don't know, um, when somebody gets promoted to black belt at my gym, I will have them on the show. And... You know, we just we just kind of talk jujitsu journey generally, and um, that always creates all these different these different conversations. And I did not expect the conversation to go as jujitsu philosophy as it does. But man, I love where it went. I really loved um, because as much as we cater to the competitor on the show, I would bet that. I would bet that like 90% of the people that listen to the show don't compete and um, don't really have any desire to compete. And they just want to learn how to get better at jujitsu faster. And they want to learn how to do jujitsu long term. And I really feel like this episode is helpful to those people is is really um, it really does let you know that, hey, you don't have to be a competitor. You don't have to be um, the toughest guy in the room. Sometimes you just have to be consistent. Sometimes you just have to stay in it and learn your lessons and you will develop this amazing perspective that maybe very few people have. And that's what I think Mark Rosencutter has done. And I'm uh, just really appreciative of Mark and just the people like Mark that we get to train with at my gym. And so... Um, in a couple days, we are going to, on Thursday, we're going to have our Christmas special for the podcast, um, where if you have not dropped your questions, most likely you missed your chance. Most likely we already have too many questions and we are already recorded on that episode. Um, but we're going to answer some important ones when it comes to jujitsu and Christmas. But then we're also going to take a little 
peek on my opinion of the ecological approach to jujitsu. This is something that people have been just hounding me on and I've been avoiding answering. And I just thought, you know what? Christmas special, we can hide it in there. And so I won't offend too many eco guys. Um, I might, who knows? Um, Merry Christmas. But that is, uh, yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I hope today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.